Welcome to today's episode of the Insurance Life and Everything in Between podcast. My name is Adam Bersan. And I'm Chris Smith. If you've yet to do so, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to share it with a friend or colleague. We greatly appreciate your help and support. So before we get into Adam's segment this morning, and I've got a ton of really good questions, really interesting information to unpack from him this morning. I want to also encourage you, like you know what's going to happen, to make sure you invest in your leads now. Generally, direct mail agents that are assigned to a direct mail program are going to automatically receive their leads. If you don't, let me know. Things can go wrong. Accidents happen. But generally speaking, there's mail in-house, and we want to make sure that you get it. If you're not on a weekly reoccurring direct mail program, it's a conversation that we should probably have offline. But now is the time to submit any digital orders that you need so that you have leads to work next week. Be it insurance toolkit leads or leads available in opt now, like not, not right now, but in like 25 minutes now is the time to place that order so you've got stuff to work next week. And again, I want to encourage you to utilize these in-house options so that you have the best results, the best quality, and any feedback that you have can be given directly to that source. Do not bankroll the competition. Remember, in closing, before we get to Adam's segment, no investment equals no premium. Plain and simple, statistically proven, week in and week out from countless field agents in this industry. No investment in, no premium out. So you choose, are you going to be open for business next week or simply treat this as if this was some kind of casual dating opportunity? So let's get into Fridays with Adam as we unpack his insight on the insurance toolkit leads, a couple sales scenarios, and anything else fun that might come up in the conversation. Adam, you are live and unmuted, sir. So the question that everybody is here and wondering about is if you can give us a quick play-by-play, a quick breakdown of submitting your lead order with Toolkit, getting your leads, and then we're going to walk through a little bit about working those leads in the field. Sure, yeah. You know, I <clears throat> I placed an order on Saturday, and I think they got to it on Monday. So the campaign started on Monday. And, I mean, I was, I was planning on working these leads this week. I kind of learned a little bit, though, from placing the first order that it would be better to place the order a little bit sooner. Uh, I was assuming if I placed it on Saturday, I'd probably have some leads coming in by, by Monday, but uh, they started the campaign on Monday. So that's fine. You know, like I said, it's just kind of a learning thing for me, but, uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I placed the order Saturday. They started the campaign Monday leads started coming in. Uh, I would say probably late Monday and then going into Tuesday. One thing, you know, I mean, I've ordered a lot of Facebook leads and I've always found that if you place a lead order and you get those leads very quickly, like let's say you place a lead order for 25 leads and within 12 hours you have all 25 leads coming in, I almost feel like the ad could be maybe a little generic. People don't even realize exactly what it is that they're clicking on. It's like they're just trying to fill a lead order. Uh, and I've experienced that, you know, where I get leads so quickly and it's, I mean, I've gotten beat up on some leads and I'm not one to complain about 
leads because I mean, you have good lead orders, you have bad lead orders, but I mean, I've, I've had some leads I'd say over the last few months with some Facebook vendors that it's like every single house I go to, it's like just total rejection. And, and it's like, after a while, I'm, I'm just thinking it, it can't be me because it, it's happening at every house. It's not like, it's not like it happens here or there. Like every lead I'm going to, people are just slamming the door in my face, just not getting anywhere with anybody. And so, like I said, I almost feel like maybe the, the lead, if you get the leads very quickly, they're maybe a little bit more generic. Uh, so far off of that lead order, the campaign that they started on Monday, I think I have maybe 19 of my 25 leads. So I don't have all of the leads yet. I'm still waiting on, I'm pretty sure maybe six more leads. Uh, but you know, like I said, I mean, so far it really does seem, and, and again, this is very small sample size. I mean, we're talking about 19 leads. It's kind of hard to judge a, a, a lead vendor just based off of 19 leads, but so far, uh, yeah, I mean the, the two people I've sat down with, uh, I mean, I would say they were pretty much laydowns. Uh, I showed up, I asked the people. What, what was it that, that got you to fill in that inquiry? You know, what was it that got you thinking about this? And first thing out of their mouth, well, because I need insurance. I need insurance. I had trouble getting insurance, and that's why I filled it out, because I need insurance. So they knew what it was about. Like, they, they weren't thinking that it was any sort of free benefit. There's actually a, uh, a spot on the lead where the person puts in their budget of how much they can afford. So, I mean, most of them just put the lowest option, which is like 20 to $30 a month. But of course, you're going to more than likely end up writing a policy larger than that, premium higher than that. So, so right there, you know, when they have to put the budget in, what does that mean? That means that people know that it's something that they have to pay for. <laughs> so, uh, so again, because of these little things, that's why the leads don't come in as fast because you're not getting all these people who don't even realize what it is that they're filling out, not even realize that they're inquiring about final expense insurance. You're getting people who are actually interested in taking out a life insurance policy. At least that's what I've experienced so far. So good to hear. So far, so good. Like I said, very small sample size, but uh, hoping things continue to go the way they have been with them. And just to be clear, I am completely biased in our opinion about the insurance toolkit leads. There's no hiding that fact, but that's actually a pretty good bias because we want to produce cost-effective and quality leads. And if there's something going on that doesn't seem right, you're not sure how it's working or why it's going that way, give us the feedback in those situations. One side note, if you have direct mail in-house, buy that first. Don't go out and spend your money on digital when we are sitting on leads we've already purchased for you, obviously. Uh, Adam, next question. You worked those leads. You went out and actually spent the money and then saw the people. That's an important part of the process. The people that you saw, you wrote two pieces of business on. You chose Polish Falcons, I believe, for that car the carrier. Anything in that sales scenario that we might be able to learn from? Um, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, just the method of going to see the people for one, I, I, neither one of them was a set appointment. Uh, the first lead came in, when was it? Wednesday night. Yeah. First lead was Wednesday night when I was out working with, uh, an agent, we were out doing some field training and, uh, and I mean, it was a long day. Um, 
we really didn't have a whole lot of luck. Sat down with maybe one or two people throughout the day. It was just, it was a slow day. But that, yeah, the lead came in. It was probably 5.30 at night. And I just, I wasn't ready to go home yet. And uh, the lead comes in. I'm like, heck, look at this lead. It's like 15 minutes from here. Let's go, let's go, let's go door knock it. So the lady, the lady fills in this inquiry within 20 minutes of her filling the thing out. I'm at her front door. And, uh, and it was, uh, she said, you know, wow. said, right now is just not a good time. She said, uh, do I need a, a checking account for that? So, so right away, it's like this lady knows that it's something that you have to pay for. Perfect. And I said, <laughs> well, mo with most of the companies we work with, you do, but if you don't, we still may be able to, to work with you. And so, uh, so yeah, and and in anyways, uh, she said, "Well, come back tomorrow, like around noon, and uh, I'll be here, and we can sit down and we can go through this." And uh, and fine, I had I had an opening. Went back yesterday, and like I said, man, it was like probably one of the easiest sales I've ever uh, I've ever made. I mean, I, there was no resistance. She knew she needed it. She wanted it. It was just a matter of picking an option of what she could afford. And, uh, and then same thing yesterday, uh, the, a lead came in, I think it came in like around noon and I was at the lady's door at three 30 in the afternoon. So within four hours I was at her door and same thing. So I think, I don't know, sometimes maybe agents are afraid to just show up on a lead the same day, like give it a little bit of time. Why? Like it's, we're, it's like at the peak of that person's interest. Let's, let's get on it while it's hot. So, so yeah, I showed up yesterday, same thing, you know, sat down with the lady, same, it was basically the same sort of thing. Yeah. I need insurance and, uh, very, like I said, zero resistance, just a matter of figuring out what she could afford and, and wrote it up. So yeah, pretty simple. So one of the questions somebody asked, you kind of answered already that you door knocked the lead. You could have, of course, appointment set the lead. No issues with that. Setting it to the appointment setting team, they would have worked it the exact same way. But the fun part about digitals when you're working some form of a digital lead is you can work them in literal, like real time. The lead came in, you showed up, you turned that into an opportunity. And that's one of the important things to understand when we talk about digital marketing is you have to work it right away. If you sit on it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, they're not going to remember filling it out. In fact, they'll have been retargeted so many times on social media. Somebody else would have gotten the lead. They would have shown up and already written the business. So when you're working that type of lead, you have to work it as they come in diligently. Adam, agree or disagree? Money in equals money out when we talk about investing in your business and expecting a return on that investment. Well, yeah, it's, it's part of the business. I mean, you got to spend money to make money. Um, it's just what we have to do. I mean, you know, I've talked about this in the past. I mean, heck, I mean, what that lead order, what did I spend? I mean, what, 35 bucks a lead? I think it was like, I don't know, 800, 900 something. So right there, I mean, 25 leads, I've already made my money back those two sales. So I I'm going to have 23 more leads to work and I mean, you know, heck, if I made, if I wrote two sales that easy, you know, there's going to be more sales in those leads. So it's like, you just got to, you got to be willing to bet on yourself. You got to be willing to take that risk. Uh, it's like, it's like anything else. I mean, you're, 
heck, I mean, people these days, heck, you know, you can bet on sports. I could bet on the Super Bowl on Sunday. I could put $500 down on the game. I can't control the result. But with leads, I can control the result by going out and working and, and doing what I can to make some sales. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the best bet you can make if you want to invest some money in something is to invest in leads and to bet on yourself. That might actually be the best analogy you've ever come up with in the nearly four years I've known you is betting on the Super Bowl. You absolutely could do it, but you cannot control the results. Bet on yourself and you absolutely can control what happens after that. Um, next question. I had an agent yesterday. We did some real good training, spent some quality time going over some uh, challenges they're facing in the field and they're working hard. So we're, we're going to work hard with them to improve their business. And one of the concerns and challenges they faced is thinking or are afraid that people can't afford the insurance. They're concerned that they can't afford more than 20 or $30, or there's an affordability issue that's limiting their ability to make the sale. Can you speak to that question and that concern and how that might slow agents down and how you don't let that slow you down? I mean, there's a reason that they inquired, uh, I've never really thought too much about it. I mean, I, I you, you got to understand, yeah, the people that we work with, they are on a limited income, but there's some money there. You know, there's some money there. We can figure out a way to make it work. I usually ask about affordability even before I put a quote together. So they can't come back at the end and tell me that they can't afford it. I'll say, you know, affordability is important. We just want to make sure you can keep up with this every month is I'll figure out how much I think they need. You know, let's say I think they need maybe 15,000. I might start with, you know, a 60 to $70 a month affordable, or is that outrageous? They tell me that that's too high. I'll drop it down by $10. They still tell me it's too high. I'll keep dropping it down having, and then I'll let them know, Hey, look at having a little something is better than having nothing at all. So even if all you can handle is $22 a month for a $5,000 policy, well, heck, at least you have that. And even if you were to pass away anytime soon, I think your family will appreciate that you at least had that. And hey, the small sales, they add up. You know, even if all your, if you write a bunch of little ones, heck, you know, they add up too. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't really worry too much about it. Like I said, there's a reason people fill that card out. They can handle paying every, I mean, heck, these days you could go to McDonald's and spend $40. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that people could handle paying 40 bucks a month for, for a final expense policy. Yeah, one of the really valuable things that you just clued into there is starting with room to come down. If your three option close consists of 20, 25, and 30 bucks a month, not only does it look like it's less valuable in a McDonald's meal at that point, as Adam said, but you've got no room to go down. What are you gonna show them? Five bucks a month, get out of town. 50, 75, and 100 are generally what I show because not only does that capture our average premium, give us an opportunity for a high premium, but it also gives us an opportunity to work our way down. I've also found, Adam, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, when I show 50, 75, and 100, when people think, well, I got to pick the smallest one, they're still picking 50 bucks a month, which by far is not the smallest one offered, but in that scenario, that's their mindset, and that's what they picked. Next question for you. Some agents are afraid of chargebacks. They're afraid that if they write more, they're going to lose more. If they write anything, it's all, it's all going to fall off. Somewhere on the chargeback spectrum has them afraid. How do you make sure that you don't operate in a realm of chargeback fear when you're writing business? Well, setting draft dates properly, I would say, is probably the most important thing. 
Uh, heck, these days it's pretty easy. I mean, there's there's what five different pay dates for someone who's on Social Security. They could either be set up on the first, the third, the second, third, or fourth Wednesday of the month. So as long as you're setting those draft dates properly to coincide with their Social Security, I don't think you really have to worry too much about it. Uh, it seems to be pretty accurate. Ever since that started, I feel like my persistency has approved. Uh, and again, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about the fact that it's important to sell on value and not just sell based on the, the price. And I think adding that value, that helps too with keeping your business stick. So yeah, my, I mean, I've always had very good persistency. My clients stick with me. And I, again, I think uh, a lot of it too, but you know, the value is one thing, but I just think setting those draft dates is, uh, is essential. I also believe that a certain amount of business is going to fall off no matter what you do. You're either one of the top tier uh, in persistency, like that 10% fall off rate. You're either in that 20%, which is typical, or you got a problem if it's 30 or more. But realistically, it's going to fall off no matter how it falls off. Your average premium doesn't necessarily affect how much is going to fall off. So don't think to yourself, man, I got to write small business in case the business falls off. A same percentage is going to fall off no matter what your average premium is. Uh, you also did a ride along this week. You had one of your new guys in the car. You're building an agency local, which is one of the best ways to build in this business. Can you speak to the value in a ride along from the perspective of the teacher and then the perspective of the student? Well, yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, I think that's something that really lacks in uh, in this business. Uh, me and the the new guy I was out with yesterday, we were even talking a little bit about it, that uh, so many of these different organizations out there, they they sell the dream. They they sell the fluff and they don't do much to back it up outside of uh, getting people maybe licensed and contracted and go watch a few videos and go out there and get them. Uh, I think that especially someone who's brand new, we got to do everything that we can to set them up for long-term success. I mean, I'm 21 years in the business. I always say if it didn't work, I would have found something else to do by now. Uh, I know what works. I know what doesn't. And that's where I feel like, you know, I can really tell, teach agent, excuse me, teach agents how to do well at this business. And so much of this too, I mean, is about replication. And, and that's my whole thing with kind of building from a local standpoint is, uh, well, we're a lot more close knit. Uh, it's a lot easier to cut as a man from a manager standpoint, it's a lot easier to, to kind of control to kind of manage and kind of see what's going on on a regular basis. But everybody's on the same page too. I mean, they're all trained the same way. Uh, they're, they're all learning a presentation. They're all following my lead when it comes to pretty much mimicking everything that I do uh, from beginning to end. So, and that's really, I mean, heck, if you want to be successful, that's what you need to do. You need to line yourself up with someone who has been successful in the business that knows what they're doing. They can teach you and is willing to work with you and heck, take you out and show you how it's done. And, but it's not just training out in the field for a few days. It's that, that continuous, uh, engagement that continuous support and uh you know i even told him you know we went out uh we went out two days this week we'll be going out again next week he's gonna show me uh he's gonna go through his presentation with me on monday and then i told him when your leads come in we'll go out on your leads too and then you can present and i'll watch you and 
we'll see how that goes. So, so yeah, like I said, I mean, I just, I think, uh, to be quite honest, I would rather have 10 agents writing 10,000 in premium every month than a hundred agents writing a thousand in premium every month. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of where we're starting here locally and yeah, excited about it, really looking to build and grow and, and help these guys, uh, achieve that long-term success and, and build that legacy for, for their families. Exactly. And I think everyone that's on a Friday call knows that our agency belief, mentality, foundation is the desire to have that core group of people doing a quality amount of business, not thousands of people doing nothing over the course of a year. It's just pointless. That's not what we're here to do. Um, and I also wanted to reiterate, our car is always open. Our front seat in a ride along is always available if you meet us halfway, like you're on the lead order, you're in the field, you're on the calls, you're doing your damn best to learn as you develop. We're going to get you the rest of the way there. But no ride along is going to change the fact that you're not investing in your business. You're not working. You're not asking for help. You're not doing the things that would yield results. So just understand both sides of that. We're going to help you as much as we can, but you got to be able to help yourself as much in this business as well. Last but not least, I have a question about the mentality of a business versus a hobby. I think some people have this switch that flips in their head one day and they realize, man, I'm not an employee. I'm not just doing this for fun. I'm doing this as a business. Can you speak to the difference briefly this morning between a hobby and a business owner mindset? Well, yeah, I mean, you got to treat it like a business. Uh when we're working leads too, I mean, we got to do whatever we can to, to get in front of the people. This is not a nine to five job. Uh, and, but yeah, you can't treat it like a hobby. When I think of a hobby, that would mean, you know, I just kind of go out when I feel like it, uh, you know, I'll go out here and there. Oh, I got some leads. I'll go out, you know, maybe knock on some doors for an hour or two. And if I catch people, great. If not, that's fine too. I mean, no, this is a business. You got to take it seriously. You got to put the time in. And you got to, I mean, heck, you don't want to miss out on the, uh, the opportunity of really the possibilities of what could be in the business. There's a lot of money to be made. And, uh, and I mean, I just, I'd hate to see somebody see an opportunity and just half-ass it. I mean, I can't really think of a better way to put it. Uh, you got to go all in really, you got to put 110% into what you're doing on a regular basis, treat it like a job, uh, I mean, I, I really, I mean, I've the last, what the last year, I mean, I feel like I work two or three jobs. Uh, you know, I'm an agent, I'm a manager and then heck I'm, I'm home editing podcasts and all this other stuff. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I probably work 80 hours a week. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's just how it is. You got to do what you got to do. If you want to, if you want to be successful and if you want to move ahead. So yeah, put the time and it'll be worth it. Well said. He said it pretty simple right there. Don't half-ass it. And worst of all, when you're half-assing it, you're half-assing yourself. And, and respect yourself more than to do that to yourself. Appreciate everyone being here today. Invest in your business. Don't half-ass yourself. And if you need help, ask for it. You're not going to find a harder group of people working harder for you than what you've got here with us. Take care, and I'll see you out there. And this concludes another episode of the Insurance Life and Everything in Between podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend or colleague. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please leave those too. Any input is greatly appreciated. Thank you.